RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Coming to you live in stunning two dimensions, just like our animated heroes and just like my emotional life. It's 7 p.m. Monday night, and that can only mean it's time for one thing. Mission Log Live! I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. I'm new here in this host seat to talk about an all-new Star Trek show with you! Yes! This week, it's the premiere of Lower Decks from creator Mike McMahon, and it's the first new Star Trek animated series since 1974, the first episode, Second Contact, is what we'll talk about tonight. And Ashley, you're new here. Just like a new series, new co-host. Welcome. Hey, imagine that. Some synergy. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I have been a Mission Log listener almost as long as I've lived in Los Angeles. So for me, this is like a real treat on so many different levels. <laughs> Get out of town. Yeah. Stop that. Wow, that's so cool. Well, all right, look, uh, you're here not only because uh, you're an awesome host, uh, but you know a thing or two about Star Trek. If you would like to, just to share with our audience who may not know you, uh, your geek bona fides. Yeah, so I did a 31-episode Star Trek parody web series called The Red Shirt Diaries that you can find everywhere online. If you watching are the person who owns redshirtdiaries.com and wouldn't sell that URL to me, I'm still salty about it. Oh, uh, as you should be. Yeah. You can actually see right there in the background, that's a piece of fan art of me as Ensign Williams, who was the lowest-ranked ensign on kirk's enterprise so like doing lower decks as well for me holds all of this sort of special meaning to it and um on a personal note my necklace which you won't be able to see but this is the vulcan word for beloved and uh, my husband gave it to me instead of a wedding ring because i don't like rings and proposed to me at vasquez rocks which stood in for vulcan because i'm such a huge vulcan nerd so i hope I hope that all of Stop. that uh, gives me permission that I'm not looking forward to be here. <laughs> they, no, look, I, yeah, no permission needed at all. I mean, that that is so awesome because, yeah, in uh, the, the the few times that we've been able to talk deeply about Star yeah. Trek, I, I know that you know and love Trek so much, but it, it just seems so perfect that somebody like you who – I, I mean, look, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short. Redshirt Diaries is yours, but it is yours here. You created it. You starred in it. Shot the first season in my living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is your baby. Yeah. And and I think having you here to talk about Lower Decks, so perfect because you kind of carved out this niche for your character anyway. It's so entirely perfect for you. There's a reason that this show exists now and that the original Lower Decks episode was so beloved. And it's because all the best stuff happens on Lower Decks, like they yes. say in the episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. And currently, you and your husband are co-hosts of uh, Geek History Lesson, still going strong if people want to look which, for that. Which John has been on. He uh... guessed it on our <laughs> top five best TNG episodes. We have a ton of Star Trek episodes. Yes, that is our podcast that we've been doing for the last six years where we take character histories and we teach you everything you need to know in about an hour. One of the uh, most researched episodes I did was when I taught the history of the Star Trek Enterprise, the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> that is so awesome. All right, cool. Well, that, a little uh, introduction for our audience and yeah. we'll, we'll say hi to the audience here in just a second. But if you don't mind, just let them know how they can reach us. 
Yeah, so just like every episode of Mission Log, and especially when there's new Trek on the air, which we're so blessed to have, John and I are full of opinions. We want your opinions. We want your thoughts. We want your questions, nice and respectfully. And the easiest <laughs> way is to just come on here and join us. You click on that nice Zoom meeting link, because now we're all in this Zoom world now. Use that one tap from your smartphone, or you can call, take this number down, 669 900 6833. Enter the meeting code. You'll be connected to the fabulous Earl who is here running our ship today, and then he'll connect you to us. And just remember that there is a passcode for this week's meeting. Very uh -huh. important. Well said. So let's say hi to some of the people who are in chat right now live with us. Uh, there's Narda, there's Scott, there's Brian, there's Lisa, Dominic, uh, Peter, there's Chuck, there's Chris, uh, Alan, there's, uh, th there's so many. Uh, oh, oh my gosh, uh, Tate. Did I mention Tate? I don't know if I did. There's Paul. We have a lot of, I don't know if I warned you about that. So there's a lot of Pauls who listen to our show. Is so one of them McCartney? Ooh, boy, that would be cool. Let's say yes. <laughs> I would love to have that conversation. I bet he's a Star Trek fan. Come on. I think Why so. He's he a be? comic yeah. book fan. Really? Oh, mm -hmm. well, and you know what? And he worked with Gene Roddenberry on a project for Wings that never actually got off the ground, but we we'll have those documents. Someday. One day, <laughs> one day. Uh, there's Mark. There's, uh, oh my gosh, I I'm getting lost here. There's uh, Hawker who uh, is from Iceland chiming Excellent in. Excellent name. And then, uh, yeah, Narda, I, I think, I want to say Narda is in uh, Brisbane. I can't remember. She says, good day, Ashley. And then- uh, Why are you awake? I, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we figured it out. It is, for her, it is tomorrow at noon. Oh, well then, so, good, good afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so she's getting the show in the future. Uh, George is saying, welcome to the Mission Log family, Ashley. So happy to see you and John doing Lower Decks. So uh, this is great. This is very exciting. There's John Cooley. Uh, there's Michael. Many people uh, saying hi to you. Oh, Bryant says no, but Ringo listens. So, He's my favorite Beatle. Don't even joke about <laughs> that. Really, come on. Come on. Yes, really? Your favorite yes. Beatle? Okay. Ringo Starr is my favorite Beatle. I saw him in concert last year when we could go outside and I wow. cried. <laughs> oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so many people. There's Dan. Uh, so many people chiming in. It's great to see you all here. And I know we have a couple of listeners standing by who are already ready to talk to us. So we're not going to waste too much time. I do want to let people know that coming up, uh, this is Ashley's first night of 10 weeks with us, uh, covering all of the first part of Lower Decks here. And then, like, immediately after, we go into Discovery Season 3. And what will happen is that over the coming weeks, over the coming months, Mission Log Live, my, my vision for that has always been a show where we can kind of have fun with the format, drop different hosts in, guest co-hosts like you're doing with Ashley for this time. So you'll see me in this seat from time to time. You'll see Norman in this seat from time to time. You'll see Ashley uh, for all of Lower Decks, and then we'll just keep mixing it up uh, because I, I love this sort of freedom that we have with this format. So uh, stick with us, and as always, connect with us on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, everywhere else that, uh, that you are in touch with us. Now, every week we do a poll. Last week, we changed it up. Last week, we had writer-producer Chris Kula on with us to talk about Lower Decks as it was coming up. And we didn't have a poll question exactly, but we did ask you a question that he gave us. What random TNG secondary or side character do you want to see show up on Lower Decks? 
because they take place, you know, in that TNG mm-hmm. time period. So uh, actually, any strong feelings about a character that you would want to show? I, I can tell you right away that the audience favorite mm-hmm. was Reg Barkley. Ooh, uh, here's my hot take. I okay. don't like Barclay. Ah, <laughs> nice. I'm a great right. character. I totally understand what they did with him. Just like yeah. not my cup of tea. So uh, my first instinct is always ends in row because I love the Bajorans. I think they're amazing. I know that would be a little sticky and a little hard to do, uh, mm-hmm. but I would love to see her. And we got some nice Bajoran. I'm going to, in my, my notes are all about, look at this alien and look at this alien. So we're going to yeah, talk a lot yeah. about that. But Ends of Row is my first thought. The character that I think actually really needs to show up is probably Wesley. Uh, he's obviously not a, a supporting character, but I think right. he's the one we right. need to see the most. That's good. That's good. I, I went with either uh, Cetacean Ops, which I did get a shout out in yes! the show. <laughs> we need to see that, uh, yeah. please, finally. Or the puppies. The puppies that are all oh. over TNG. Look, uh, Female Q brings puppies. Uh, mm-hmm. There's kids in the classroom playing with puppies. The Enterprise D is lousy with puppies. So <laughs> if there aren't puppies on the Cerritos, it's a ship that I want no part of. Absolutely so. not. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what about this week's poll? So this week's poll, we asked you a very important question. Read the Lower Decks from Air. Did we love it? Did we hate it? And 76% of you came in with the correct answer that you loved it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone's opinion is valid and we welcome all of them. And 24% said that you didn't love it. But the great thing about Trek and the great thing about pilots is that things get better as they go along. So hopefully mm-hmm. that 24% will be converted in future episodes. Maybe, yeah, you know, and look, yeah. I, I, I admit up front that I, I make these polls so frustrating on purpose. <laughs> yes. I, I present, yes, I present options that are really a pain in the butt, and, and I, I do that because I'm having fun with the audience. Um, so, yeah, may, maybe you fall somewhere in between. Maybe you will grow to love it. Maybe you will grow to be frustrated by it. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll check back in with you over the next nine plus weeks, and you can let <laughs> us know how you feel then. Uh, but I tell you what, without further ado, I'm just going to very quickly recap the show. And then, uh, and then we'll talk to our audience. How about Let's it? Let's do it. Okay. Welcome to the USS Cerritos. You, just like Orion and Centendi, are getting to know this California-class ship and all its inhabitants, at least the ones who you'll be spending most of your time with. Uh, there's Boimler. There's the super-ambitious Ensign who's on a career path to captain, he thinks. Uh, there's Ensign Mariner, the brash, independent young woman who's too cool for school, Insert Rutherford is cool, nerdy, and has some newly added Vulcan cyborg parts, which are going to make him either even cooler or completely insufferable. He's got a date later with Ensign Barnes, so we'll see how that goes. Tendy is getting the tour when Boimler gets a rare call that he's needed on the bridge. Captain Freeman has a secret assignment for him. She wants him to keep a close eye on Mariner, who tends to break the rules. He's to report back if she steps out of line. The mission this week takes us to Galar, a planet now joining the Federation and undergoing second contact, which, among other things, means getting a spiffy new Federation communications relay, which the crew of the Cerritos will set up. Boimler notices Mariner taking off, though, and follows, only to find that she is seriously breaking protocol by handing over some farm equipment to some kindly Galarians. Boimler is so ready to rat her out, 
but they'll have to wait since they're now being attacked by a giant alien Galarian spider thing. Meanwhile, on the Cerritos, Rutherford has his date with Barnes, which seems to be going well until Commander Jack Ransom falls ill from the virus he picked up on Galar. Ill needs some definition. He transforms into a violent, flesh-hungry zombie, infecting everyone around him. It's chaos as others turn, while still others fight them off with phasers. If we thought the date was going well for Rutherford beforehand, well, it's even better now that he and Barnes have a common cause and an injection of some adrenaline. While all hell breaks loose on the ship, it's actually getting better on the ground. That frightening spider thing is going to kill either Mariner or Boimler. No, it just needed to get out some energy and uses Boimler as a toy for a very, very long time. When that's settled, these two head back to the rest of the landing party, but they've also got but they've also come to a bit of recognition. Mariner knows the regulations better than anyone, certainly better than Boimler, and she's been on more missions. She was acting efficiently and out of concern. Boimler has a new grudging respect for her. She's not just the irresponsible brat he thought she was. Beaming back to the nightmare situation on the ship, Boimler is stopped by the Cation Dr. Tana, who notices something special about the pink alien spider goo covering his body. She analyzes, synthesizes, then distributes it to the crew who are instantly cured of the zombie virus they've been fighting off. Later, Boimler refuses to sell out Mariner to the captain. They're good like that. And, plot twist, Mariner is actually the captain's daughter, and the admiral who insisted she take the assignment is the captain's husband and Mariner's father. In the lounge later, all is well. Tendy can't believe Rutherford's date ended badly, though. It was all because Barnes couldn't stop for two seconds to run a level two diagnostic on a malfunctioning door. Imagine the nerve. Rutherford can't, and neither can Tendy. On the other end of the room, Mariner is whooping it up with Boimler. Not only is she thankful, she thinks he's A-OK. -okay. In fact, much to his chagrin, she'll take him on as her protege. There will be a captain's chair in his future if she has anything to do about it. The end. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the plot twist coming with, uh, with Freeman and Mariner? Oh, yes. You did? I, okay. I did. Uh, I, and I rewatched the episode. I watched it a couple of times now in preparation yeah. for this. And when you rewatch it, it's really there. And just because it's, it's there and I think it's pretty obvious, it doesn't mean I like the choice that he left. Mm, I yeah. really like that reveal. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of this <laughs> episode. So I, I, I can't I did wait too. to get into it. Yeah, and, and we will for sure. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to our first caller, but uh, I, I will say that, you know, it, I think that there's a lot to like here, and I think it plays better the second time around. Second or third time around, honestly. And I, I watching it with subtitles and allowed me to really kind of focus on a lot of what's delivered very fast. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I found myself keying into that a bit more than ju just the first initial kind of cursory watch. Um, but let's see what our callers think. So uh, first up, we have Cosmo, who is saying hello on video. Cosmo, what's up? Unmute. There we go. Hey, there Good you are. Guys. Hey, all, oh, look, it's James with a ship. That's James. And with what you got, James? The old the Enterprise. Old Enterprise. That's right. And there's Cecilia. Absolute. 
Hello. Yeah, and Cade's over there. I got twins, so they're behaving so far. Um, uh. I enjoyed the episode. My one gripe is how fast the characters talked. It made me feel real old. Uh, I'm hoping <laughs> that it was just that it's the pilot and they've got 22 minutes to cram a ton of setup into. So I, I think it kind of slowed down a little bit in the second half. Um, but boy, that first five minutes between, uh, and I don't remember any of their names, uh, but the two <laughs> red shirts, um, it was just so darn quick that I, I found it a little obnoxious, but uh, I, otherwise I really enjoyed it. I loved how TNG it was and I mean, it, it just oozed, start classic TNG Voyager era stuff. And um, I, I love the uniforms. Um, they, uh, if you remember, Generations was going to have a new set of uniforms that they ended up ditching because of budgetary reasons. And that's why half the crew was in Avery Brooks and Cole Meany's uniform. <laughs> and, right. uh, yeah. but it had sort of that flap that we're So I think this is a, kind of an ode to that. And it was kind of a mix of the wrath of Khan meets next gen uniforms. And that's what these kind of remind me of. So I, I love that. And, um, I love that opening intro montage. The, uh, the opening credits were oh, great. So good. So good. Well, a little I, bit of let, let's all let, let's talk about the pacing here for a minute because uh, honestly this is my biggest gripe with the show and i feel like um coming from a performing background this is something that i remember hearing very often from directors or you know you're in a in a performance situation and everybody wants more energy out of a scene but the problem is an actor will have the tendency to get louder and faster in order to convey energy. And this is not always a great thing. So a good director and a good combination of actor director can reel that in. You can still feel the intensity. You can still feel the energy of the scene, but without just defaulting to louder and faster. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, Ashley, did you feel this way too? Or were you okay with the pacing? I know that I, I more appreciated the slower parts when I got to them on a second or third watch. Yeah, it's definitely very, very mm -hmm. fast. And it is fast for Trek because we're used to seeing Trek in an hour-long format. And now with streaming, sometimes like the full hour, right, with no commercials if you pay for the good CBSL access. <laughs> and I think, I think that's a big difference too. So not only does it play on fast and loud is very trendy right now in like modern mm -hmm. comedies, even in live actions. Like I always go back to Kim's Convenience because I'm Canadian, so I can't help myself. The moments of high comedy are always fast and loud and I, yeah. I wonder if maybe at episode three or four if the pace is the same but we're used to seeing it through this more comedic lens if we all won't feel as old and as tired and like we need a cup of coffee by the end of it but I still right. think that it was very well performed I really appreciated a lot of the choices because voice acting is so much harder uh, than traditional in on-camera acting. And the, the great yeah. thing about the fact that this is animated is we will continue to get this no matter how long we're stuck indoors. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's funny, uh, John Cooley just chimed in here in the chat and it quoting the great George Lucas, faster, faster and more intense. intense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And 
I, it's just, uh, to me, that that's really uh, obviously not great direction. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> but at no. the same time, uh, I, you know, Rick points out here, the pacing is a very Rick and Morty thing. It is mm-hmm. a very modern animation thing. And uh, I, like, I even think that opening bit uh, that you were just talking about, Cosmo, where you've got Mariner and Boimler and she's drunk and she's playing with the Batleth. Like, oh, so it, gross. So <laughs> gross. <laughs> okay. All right. So I must have mistaken this. When I saw like, uh, I, I can't remember what bit of that was in the trailer, but mm-hmm. I, I, in my head, you just sort of saw the Batleth go toward his leg and he just heard a squish. <laughs> then when they showed it in the show, I'm like, that's, we're showing full on leg meat. Yeah. Just right there. I, that was kind of gross. <laughs> I, I think Cosmo though also nailed something where he said that the pacing might be better um, after this pilot episode, because there is a ton of exposition that we have to get, including yeah. the reveal that we talked about of the, of uh, Mariner's parentage. So there might be a little less techno babble and like yeah, scene right. setting going forward. So, and it felt to me that the uh, the scenes between the yellow shirt with the Vulcan uh, thing and the blue shirt, Rutherford, uh, it's going <laughs> to take me like six and episodes to get, any, uh, <laughs> to get any names. But their dialogue was a, a lot more mellow. Or at least I felt that way. Maybe it was because I was fifteen minutes into this new world. But even with the the zombie stuff going on, their dialogue seemed to be a little bit more calm. So, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm I'm hopeful and that's not going to be a turnoff for me. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, again, I'll go back to it just by saying that watching it a couple of times, three times really helped me just because I, I knew it was coming and that I knew the moments to watch out for. I'm not saying that's necessarily a good or a bad thing. I, I have to for the purposes yeah. of doing a show like this. Um, uh, so maybe it means that there's something more to discover there or maybe it just means like wow they do need to slow it down you should be able to get the majority of this in one viewing uh but you you both mentioned something uh kind of tangentially that i think i really had this uh identification with like even that opening scene of mariner and boimler i just thinking like yeah if i were on a starship and i had access to romulan alcohol I would probably be the guy then getting into a supply closet and finding a bat left and doing something stupid. Or, you know, uh, uh, putting yourself in Tendi's shoes. She's wonderful with, with her enthusiasm for being there. Like, there are all these elements of these characters that feel very genuine, very mm-hmm. human for, for us to be in their shoes as the audience. Tendi actually, her enthusiasm reminds me a lot of the episode of Enterprise where we see the very first away mission and how excited they are to take the shuttle and go down and make maybe first contact and they take pictures together. Like it's so great as people who've seen this world for so many decades or grown up in this world to see these characters have the enthusiasm that we have for like, you're in space on Starfleet starships. <laughs> right, exactly. My favorite, my favorite bit of the thing was the... Uh the replicator banana hot hot Hot, but it can burn people (laughs) brilliant i love that cracked me up i wonder you know in in the logic of the show like is that the default failure code for a replicator (laughs) you know you you may not get a warning light or something like you may not get a notification on your communicator there's something wrong with the replicator but if it says banana hot you just, you know that that machine is bad. 
Mike, my words, that's a t-shirt at SDLV next year. It is. It is. <laughs> banana yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a cosplay. Yes. There might be, just be a whole bunch of hot bananas. That show <laughs> yeah. I could see that happening. Hey, uh, anything else on your mind tonight, uh, Cosmo? Nope. That's it. I'll let other people chime in. Good All to right. see you guys. Pleasure talking to you. Take care. Bye. And bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, cute. Love tiny Trek humans. Yes, right. <laughs> so um, the, a lot of comments here uh, in the chat. Rick says the style of the show is such that you get more and more bits each time you watch it. Tons of things in the background. Let's talk about that for a second, yeah. because I'm sure that you and I both noticed things about what was happening in the background. Any any favorites or uh, surprises there? When the date begins, there's a woman leaning against the bar who has Jordy's visor on. And as someone who had an all-abiding crush on LeVar Burton, and she appears to be a Caucasian human, I like yes. to think that that's where I was. That that's made you. me very happy. That's my cameo. That's you. Uh, I also nice. loved the Andorians. The designs of the Andorians in this style I thought was absolutely incredible. And then my favorite, uh, my favorite Easter egg we've already mentioned is Cetacean Ops. Oh. We have to see it. Yes. Mike. I am like, yes. we have to see it. What were some <laughs> of your favorite Easter eggs? Oh my gosh. Uh, there was one where, you know, I'll just kind of go through and freeze frame every now and then. And in the opening in the shuttle bay, which by the way, just in general, the sets it's weird to say sets because it's animated, but the sets are great. Yes. They really have dimension. They really feel like they're fleshed out. It's easy to make fun of the original Star Trek, the animated series, not because of the writing. The writing <laughs> was great. The acting was great, but you can tell where they made shortcuts on the animation. Mm-hmm. And in this, with the the luxury of having, oh my God, Earl just posted bananas running through our chat. <laughs> Earl, of course. Uh, Trolling us from the great I beyond. know, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, you can really tell there, there's like a, a dimension and a depth and a consistency to these set pieces on the Cerritos that is just great and is so rich with detail. So in the hangar bay, uh, just seeing a shuttle way in the background with the name Joshua Tree on it. Yes. I love this California theme, uh, California class ship, the Cerritos, Cerritos, and the Joshua Tree, and then you, the the flag, the California flag hanging up in, in, the, in the, uh, yeah. the captain's quarters, you know, or in the ready room, rather. And then also in that room, oh my gosh, you, you had the uh, the sextant, you had the uh, vintage, you had the model. Those were... That that was the scene that I paused in the background to be like, what yes. is everything? So yeah, cool. Yeah. There were some I didn't get though. So like, obviously the hat is from the cage and then that uh, the model of the sailing ship Enterprise mm-hmm. I got. There was a sword there like in Lucite. I'm assuming that the sword is supposed to be a Sulu sword because Sulu got a lot of nameplay and we, in the teaser for the next, maybe the next episode of the rest of the series, we got Sulu Alpha. We had the joke about being the sword guy. So I haven't seen anyone confirm whose sword that is, but I just assume that that was a Sulu. Okay. All right. Okay. Anybody uh, have any, any other uh, recommendations or if it's Sulu? Let us know. I'm curious uh, what other people got out of that or the things that we might have missed in that yeah. background shot. But so cool. Hey, uh, let's, uh, we'll have an ad coming up in a minute here, but let's, uh, let's talk to Chris. Chris, yes. how are you doing tonight? How are you, sir? Hey. 
Doing good, doing good. I got my and, and joined again and by your your cartoon avatar. <laughs> yeah, your doppelganger. <laughs> I, I brought this. I drank it all last week, but there we go. There's the blue. Nice, nice, so, very good. Um, yeah, glad you brought up the sword. The sword was also one of my question marks. Okay. Uh, I like the Sulu idea, though. My one hesitancy is that Sulu had more of a kind of like fencing thing. He did. And the one yeah. in the show mm. seems to be a more sort of like Roman gladiator so i don't know i really want the sword to be like a chekhov's gun thing like we come back in episode eight and they just break the loose sight and like a battle scene happens I'm yeah, really use that. Yeah. bonus points great. if it's wielded by chekhov yes <laughs> oh, there you go. chekhov descendant yes yes. Yes, yes um no but i really like the show all around uh i will forever love tendy tendy lives in my heart now um yes. i was pleasantly surprised by Mariner, because watching the trailers, you get the idea that Mariner's like, oh, he's the sassy rule breaker. And she is the sassy rule breaker, but she also has this really nice complexity to her and this sort of like moral center and this, you know, maybe this idea of the red tape sort of holding back the the bridge, which I really like. Uh, but no, yeah, good stuff all around. Very, very, very looking forward to see where this goes. Yeah. Can, can, can we talk about that for a minute here? Because I, I'm a little, look, I, I try to take everything on the internet with a grain of salt and particularly <laughs> critical reviews because I see them run the gamut. It's like, oh, this is too dumb, too silly. Oh, this isn't funny. This isn't Star Trek at all. Jean is rolling over in her grave or, oh, this is the most Star Trek since Star Trek. I, you know, and <laughs> I, I try to like get rid of the extremes and and find like the sensible middle here. I felt and maybe it's just a visual thing or maybe the the opening score or whatever. I felt right at home in this sort of 24th century version. Obviously, they're doing their animated and, and heightened comedic version of it, but it felt like it fit right at home there. And I also felt like the characters, again, maybe after a second, third viewing, felt like they had more depth than we would have initially given them credit for. Uh, it sounds, Chris, like you picked that up. Any other sort of like character depth or or Star Trek depth that you think you're finding oh, in yeah, this? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, as I mentioned this in the pre-show last week, this idea of there's a real earnestness to all of them. It's like, yes, they're funny, but like Boimler, like he really believes in the system and sort of the ranks. And Tendi is obviously super into her you know, science and, you know, dreams of being CMO and all that. And Mariner, you know, he, he wants to do the right thing. That's why he's given out space shovels to, to the spider farmers because they're going to get, you know, swept up and all the paperwork. So, no, I really do. There is definitely a kind of, like, nice, warm PNG blanket feel. I'm like, ah, yes, I know what this is. I like it. I, I've been here before. Um, yeah, definitely a little bit of nostalgia, which I like. But also, I think Mike McMahon knows what he's doing. He's not sort of just disregarding what has come before like like we've been saying he's coming at it from this other angle um i do like a lot of the humor my favorite joke i have two favorite jokes um one is when in the date scene when they jump behind the table and their hands touch and they have a little ah, that that's really good <laughs> yes. and then um when they revive ransom and he goes did i eat any flesh and tendy with all her <laughs> exuberance goes a little not, not that much, hardly any at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And ransoms, how much flesh did I eat? <laughs> yeah. So those are my two favorite moments from, from week one. But no, I think I think it is Trek, and we've talked about this on Mission Long before, is that 
you know, a Trek is wide enough to have a lot of things in it. And, you know, I don't know that Trek's ever done explicit comedy before, but I think of things like uh, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite on DS9. Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. again, that's a comedy. And also there's that earnestness to it that we're going we're gonna to do team building. And it's not about whether you win or lose. It's about, you know, working together. So, yeah, I think, I think we're on the right track here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in terms of people's uh, uh, feelings, and again, I'm not saying that anyone's feelings are incorrect or maybe people's reviews. Like the only one that I'll give a lot of credence to is uh, not finding it funny because humor is the most subjective thing that we are dealing with. But yeah. I think just a, even a cursory watch, you can see what love and care has been put into this. And you can only make fun of something effectively if you freaking love it. And <laughs> right. it's, it's yeah. why some of the best actors and actresses are, com- are comedic actors and actresses. And that's, I think, the brilliance that shines through the show. Yeah, I, you know, I guess the one thing that concerned me about the comedy is, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I felt it in the very, very last scene as we're flying off into the sunset and we hear this list, you know, Mariner is giving the list of cool things. She's like, and Deanna, she looked, it, 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 like making fun of it, you know, and Deanna looked great in a jumpsuit. And then there was Sulu, he was a sword guy. Maybe we need a new sword guy. And, uh, you know, but it, it was naming off things. Mm-hmm. And I, immediately I sort of started worrying, well, if what we're doing is a list of references, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. But if what we're doing is we're finding the humor inherent in a situation or inherent in the, the, the places where we are in the ship, great. That, that's like, I love that. And I want it to be clever and subtle. I also want it to be laugh out loud funny. But if if they're setting the precedent that that will be a thing in the show where we'll get a list of Star Trek references to remind me, hey, this is Star Trek, I think that's a mistake. I'm do, already I, sold on it being Star Trek. I do know. think there's a chance that you will get more lists going forward. And I will say that I personally forgave the list because they mentioned Gary Mitchell and I love mm-hmm. Gary Mitchell with all my heart and soul. I have a picture of him on the wall in my living room because it nice. was so fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, they said Gary's name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, Gary Lockwood, if you're listening, uh, come on the show and let's let's talk about your uh, unseen cameo. <laughs> hey, Chris, any other comments tonight? Any other thing you want to hit? Uh, no, that's that's just about it. Um, just to go off that last thing. Yeah, I, I'm with you with like the list will get old very quickly. Uh, I just in my free time, I've been reading a couple interviews with Mike McMahon, I think one in sci-fi and one in Polygon. And he, he really seems on top of his game. He seems that like, yes, they're all the lists. But he also sort of knows how this universe picks. Uh, one of them, he said, one of the future episodes is going to be the Lower Deck take on the trial episode. And so I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, so I think he is sort of crafting it with love and not just all nostalgia. Because all nostalgia never works. <laughs> right, Skywalker. <laughs> he said it not me uh, he said it not me nicely done that was Chris's mic drop moment nice alright well take care man we'll see you soon okay yeah, you too alright take care hey uh, Ashley before we get back into our uh, discussion here of Lower Decks uh, second contact I got a thing 
Okay. I got a thing. Yes, yes, I have. This is my Eagle Moss Discovery Shinju. Wait a minute. What do you have? Oh, I have a, a slightly older era, but I have a dope defiant also yes, from the do. excellent folks at Eagle Moss. Fantastic. All right. So I tell you, why don't you tell uh, the fine folks who are watching at home very quickly here about uh, Eagle Moss and the well, official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Yes, what is so incredible about them is they are officially authorized by the big head honchos at CBS. So all of the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection are available only from Eagle Moss Hero Collector. They are one of my favorite things to pick up at cons or to order online. I, I truly, I floor my desk. I can't recommend it enough. This is a special collection that features brand new ship concepts and designs from both seasons of Star Trek Discovery and will include stuff from the upcoming season three. So go through that catalog, try and get yourself some spoilers. See if you do. Each has gone through extensive reference study and has been reproduced under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson, not related to Ashley Robinson. For <laughs> that you know of. That's true. We could be in the way, way back uh, for their accuracy and detail. And I know my fellow Trek fans, I know that we're all about the minutia. We've been talking about freeze framing the show. I know you're going to love this. Yes, yes. So now the first thing you may notice upon receiving your first ship, uh, which would be the USS Buran, which you probably can see on your screen right now, NCC 1422, is the larger size. It's a little over nine inches from uh, the front of the saucer to the rear of the quad style nacelles. Uh, all the ships in this collection are in the larger scale, made of die-cast metal and ABS materials and hand-painted with reference to the actual CG models used in production. And if you're seeing that uh, footage on screen, you know that it's just kind of a badass-looking ship. Each ship also comes with a display base, plus a collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology used on board. All right, so it's obviously time to start your collection of the Cardenas class USS Baran NCC-1422, which was destroyed by Captain Lorca in the opening episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Cast your memories back. Oh, Lorca, it, dude. <laughs> uh, I, an icon, truly, Jason Isaac's perfection. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it is available to subscribers through this Mission Log Live offer. Get ready for only $9.95 with free shipping. And what do we love more in these times than free shipping? <laughs> Just go to herocollector.com slash mission log because you are the hero. And sign up mm. with the promo code mission. You should know how to spell that. You are here. Put that in at checkout. And additional models will be available, including the iconic USS Discovery, of course, the of USS course. Karela, the NCC-1255, and the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey, which is amazing, plus a ton more, uh, will then ship a monthly exclusive 20% discount off the standard retail price. And again, free shipping, free shipping. Yes, yes. All right. So subscribers are also entitled to free gifts worth over $100 and may cancel their subscriptions at any time. Full details again at herocollector.com slash mission log. And fans who would like to purchase their favorite ships individually, you may do that as well online at shop.eaglemoss.com or at your local comic book shop for the regular price of $54.95 each. Come on, 
$9.95 for the brand. Uh, just do it because it's a cool ship and you can only get it for that price through this mission log offer. So there you go. Crass commercialism is over. <laughs> but um, honestly, their ships are super cool and we love them and cannot I mean, thank you enough at Eagle Moss. We wouldn't have them readily at hand on our desk I, if we didn't actually love Eagle Moss. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they, the, honestly, they give me a whole new kind of appreciation for the ships. So being able to see all that detail, I'll uh, I'll stop playing with my toy spaceships now. Hey, give us a call <laughs> at uh, uh, give us a ring at six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your phone, or just click on that Zoom meeting link and type in that uh, passcode, and then Earl will connect you to us. I know that somebody was having a little trouble getting connected, but Earl is standing by. He is ready for you. I, I feel like, you know, Chris, that scene with Dark Helmet and uh, uh, Spaceballs. Like, no, I wasn't playing with my action figures, you know. <laughs> I'll put that away. Uh, all right, so let's get back into it here about uh, Lower Deck. You and I both took some notes, uh, things that we, we loved or hated yeah. or there was crazy or whatever. Um, I, I already mentioned that I, I just think the level of detail is great. It's one of the coolest things about modern animation creating these digital sets and being able to populate them and manipulate them however you want so in terms of production they can just create anything they want from whole cloth that takes me right back to that opening sequence starting out at starbase which I've just lifted right out of the movies. Looks I was going to say, we haven't seen this in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, wait, wait, in, in, in TNG, um, they reused that model, but I think they just did a mat yes. of the Enterprise D over the same footage. Which from... honestly worked fine. It worked fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scale might be a little off with the Enterprise yeah. D, but whatever. Yeah, but it is such a cool model. And then it just, it, to me, it told the audience right away, like, yeah, we're we're in this world that your headspace is occupying too. Then we go to that great credit sequence. I love the music. It just, the music was so. I mean, I don't right? mean this to sound disrespectful, but this is my favorite new Trek sequence that we've had mm. so far. It's my favorite new Trek uh, theme music. I I I loved it. I loved it so so much. It's, it's actually the one thing that I see everyone being really positive on is the title sequence. I know people don't like the design of the ship, but I think it's really smart. And we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but in that title sequence, you, you get this, you know, the little joke, like you don't have to hit anybody over the head with it. But when you see the Cerritos pull up behind these Romulan birds of prey, battling out with the Borg, and he just hold there for a moment. And then it just turns around. <laughs> It's so it's, subtle because that is a sequence yeah. that you would absolutely see in Voyager, except they would heroically charge forward. And I think pairing that with the whole ethos of like, no, we do second contact is like, okay, we know exactly the level of uh, threat that we're going to be facing right. week to week. Right. <laughs> and they're probably told these things by Starfleet. Like, hey, just, you know what? If a bunch of people are battling a Borg, that's not for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, please go do this other thing that we asked you to do. Okay, yeah, they're definitely the class that you're you you still give the safety scissors to. You know, <laughs> they're like you're not ready to graduate to real scissors yet, kids. But someday you'll get there. I believe in you. Enjoy the glitter right. glue. <laughs> right now, I, I did read a um, it, there was somebody online who was sort of complaining about the uh, 
the uh, not the the barracks but the the bunks that, sure. that all these ensigns have clearly they've never been on a submarine <laughs> I, yeah yeah see i i didn't get the complaint there because ships submarines uh, th- this is just a common thing that you're just stacking people like crazy now I do. I don't know if you've seen the same thing that I did that was a, a graphic somebody created online. There was the Enterprise D sort of in three dimensions. And then you had a representation of all the people, the thousand people mm-hmm. who would be on board. And it's just a tiny fraction of the amount of space, right? Yeah. So yeah. the Enterprise D is gigantic. Like literally everybody could have a house. Like it's everybody a planet. Could have, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> massive. So the Cerritos being the same era, same generation, you would think you would still have a lot of room, but maybe this is just that divide again between the uh, the officers and the uh, ensigns, you know? Look, I, I also understand people saying that, um, I've seen a lot of people say that in, in the Federation, in the Star Trek future, everybody would have their own room with the idea that you have your privacy and you can do whatever in your room it is that you want to do but i think for comedic effect i think the bunks are really funny and i loved the joke about it's musty and with there with the shower which is weird because it's a sonic shower like sonic shower. so good so funny right right well and those bunks it kind of made me think of like the capsule hotels in tokyo you know like there was something real world about that anyway well, many things that are real world about it yeah. um but yeah, it's just, I think they made the most of having that there and it still informs who these people are. It informs, I agree. yeah, where, where they are. Hey, uh, look, we, we've got Hayden who is jumping into the chat here. Now, now, Hayden has not seen Lower Decks, so you don't mind that what? we're just spoiling this <laughs> like crazy for you, right? I, I don't mind at all. I love coming here for the joy and the love of the series and Part of me is saying, like, what, how soon I sign up will depend on what you guys say. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, I no pressure. Based on what you guys say. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, well, Hayden, let me ask you this. What is your track? I'm most a fan of East Space Nine. I grew up on the original series in Rivan. And I've seen, and I love all the incarnations with, I'm, I have not been able to get into the animated series at all, that's it's the only one where I kind of say, I'm putting that one aside. Okay. I tried watching this year with the twice, but I just haven't been able to get into it. If you need just one episode of the original animated series to watch, I always recommend uh, Madness to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad because it is the craziest episode with the best title, and it's the most beautiful, and I think it makes the best use of their, of their animated format. But... If it's Wait. not for you, I think Lower Decks actually might be for you because it's much more like classic Star Trek. Wait, wait, wait. Mad- Madness to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad is uh, Discovery. That That's, oh, uh, then that's I'm, the then Harry I'm, Mud. Hang on, I'll find it. Then I'm making... Which, it's got a long title and... How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth? No, uh, no. Uh, uh, hang on. Uh, Lucian, uh, The Magics of Magus 2. Thank you. It's got magic Ooh. in it. Yes, that's the one. Ooh. I'm so sorry. Everyone is screaming at me on Twitter. You can scream at me on Twitter. No, that's fine. I'm yes. so glad that you mentioned that episode because- Oh, The Magics of Magus 2 is also a great episode. <laughs> it's brilliant. It, that, that episode of TAS is brilliant. It is mm-hmm. subversive. I love everything about it. I would also say, hey, look, Hayden, for the original animated series, they're short. They're 22 minutes long you'll knock out two of them in less than an hour. Uh, go watch, because uh, they're on, uh, are they still on Netflix? I can't remember where they all no, are. Maybe no, they're... Okay. Um, you listen to the dialogue, and, and yes, you're like, this dialogue, and like, 
I didn't expect this to happen. I'm thinking, oh, this is an indicate. This is this is cleaning up just a little bit above. This is sort of a nice sort of sweet spot, but it, it's not consistent enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll give it a I, I think the the creativity with the original animated series is great. Um, and, and I know that you got Ashley's attention by being a Niner uh, because uh, Ashley is a it's guide my favorite. in the role. It's yeah. my favorite track. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I, I'll say this. Like, I think that CBS All Access, clearly they're trying to build a library. Mm-hmm. So you've got a one-stop shop for everything Trek as they're trying to fill in new Trek as well. So maybe if you're, if you're holding off, I think that's fine too. We got 10 weeks of this and then we've got 13 weeks of discovery. You could pick a date, pick a date. I don't know, four, five, nine, 10 weeks from now, go in. And I would say, take a look at the short Treks because they as standalone little five minute mini movies are mostly brilliant. Um, and uh, some of them really nail like uh, either an emotional moment or a comedic moment, just get in, get out. Uh, and then that might be opportunity to go have a look at some of this new animated show as well. Pick up a little Picard here and there, pick up a little Discovery here and there, then you'll find the new Trek that suits you. Canada has great with just doing the most of the Star Trek um, for streaming service. And definitely you can do that one month at a time. And so I've seen all the short tracks. I love the one with Spock and Nina and uh, like Gilbert and Tobin and sort of my wife. So I would say please just sort of uh, just see them singing every, every once in a while. Nice. Hey, uh, Hayden, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us tonight. Appreciate it. A- any, uh, any parting shots, any uh, last thoughts here before you go? I didn't actually expect to be called up yet. I just, I just wanted to see your faces. I mean, people asking and I'm a big fan of speech history lesson, and I've listened to all the mission logs. So oh. it's been a show just to be on the same audio panel with you guys for a few minutes. That Aww. is very kind of you. Thank I was going to say thank you for being so kind on Twitter because Hayden was the first person to say congratulations to me. Yeah, right <laughs> on, right on. Oh, and by the way, even online here, uh, Homer, Ashley Victoria Robinson has good taste. Oh, thank you. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Amy, Amy says, love short treks. So well done. My favorite is Q&A. So yeah. my favorite is Calypso. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Calypso, we're going to have some payoff. Right to my heart. Yeah. All right. Hayden, thanks so much for chiming in with us tonight and uh, come back. Whether you've seen uh, New Trek or not, we'll be here. Yeah. Okay. And it's actually going to be back for the following week. Are you sticking in the set for the first I'm going to be here for all of uh, Lower Decks, and then someday they'll let me talk about Discovery, and I'll just scream about Anthony Rapp the whole time. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Sold. We'll do it. All right. Take care. Have a great night. Bye. Good luck. Bye. That's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to jump totally off of our topic tonight, but yeah, Calypso, yeah. I thought was so, it, it felt to me like a Twilight Zone kind of thing where you just, you present this really complex idea, love, emotion, AI, et cetera, and, and then you just sort of leave it with this beautifully unanswered question about his emotional state. Like, ah, I, it, that, it was beautiful. It gave me, yes, the most feels. And, you know, uh, again, not to get too far off topic, but we're always talking about what's the next movie going to be like? And there's all this news about it right now. And right, I'm like, that's right. 
that is what I want the next movie to be is something yeah. something as arresting as Calypso because you know what there's been all this sort of uh, uh, I, I don't want to say negative blowback but I, I think there's some legitimacy to this uh, criticism that recent Trek Discovery Picard and other recent science fiction is just all about the horrors of AI yeah but, you know, and, and that's an interesting topic, absolutely. But I think we've seen a lot of it. Uh, Calypso, well, and are you going to do it better than Terminator did it? Yeah, 30 right. 30 right, years right. ago, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Calypso made me think of the movie Her. Mm-hmm. You Very know? much so, yeah. Where where you're just presenting like, no, let, let's really talk about our emotional state, not here's this evil thing that has to be defeated. One of my favorite things that Trek does too is nobody's, no one's a bad guy. I love it when we're dealing with morality and Calypso is very that. And, and that's actually one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode that we're talking about is there's no, they're not fighting a villain. Like the spider cow is scary and yes, there's zombies and the captain's kind of a jerk to Mariner, but like ultimately everyone is there trying to do their best. And it's interesting to see what their POVs are like as they do that. Yes. Yes. Uh, in the chat and Earl, a lot of people saying Calypso is such a great story and Earl saying, I'm ready for the follow-up whenever they're ready. Just saying, I think, I think they were teasing something for season three. Of this You're playing with my heart, John. I know nothing because nobody tells me anything, but I'm just saying, I think we're uh, laying some groundwork. There. You know, so. with their, with their tendency to look at time, you might, I like this tinfoil hat moment, okay. John. I like this. <laughs> no, I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, let's bring in, let's bring in Lou, who has been waiting patiently. Lou, Welcome back to the show, the the clown prince of Star Trek. How are you doing tonight? Back from the dead, John. Back from the dead. You died oh, since last week. That, that's well. They, that's that's what they told me. But since I live in Canada, I got a second opinion. Oh my oh. good Canadian brother! <laughs> I've been begging. I've, I've been begging John to 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 give us more Canadian content because you know I I, I can't carry the maple leaf all by myself here. So. As soon as I, I, I saw Ashley was, now you're from here, but you didn't, uh, but you're not here now, right? No, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. I, uh, I am on the cusp of my American citizenship, so soon I'll be both. Okay. But I am one of the people who's allowed to go back to Canada right I now. Was, I was going to ask, is nice, it safe? Is it uh, safe? I got that nice Canadian passport. <laughs> hey, it's, Lou, it's, I, I, yeah. I brought you Reka. I bring you Ashley. This place is lousy with Canadians. It's true. Okay? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean you have lousy Canadians on, John. Not. I've that, never met a lousy Canadian. Uh, oh. I will give you that. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, was, and, and since we're not doing the lightning round tonight, I have to ask oh. this right away, right up front. Okay. Ashley, have you ever been to Vulcan, uh, Alberta, Canada? <laughs> uh, I have not. I okay. have not. Are right, you going on the bus? We're doing a party bus. Everybody from Mission Log who has not been to Vulcan will go to Vulcan. Let's well, do it. Yeah. Well, could, could I be? Well, it's been a while, but I could I could be your tour guide. Although they uh, they have taken down a lot of the symbols and the um, uh, the the attractions since I was last there. So keep your ex. It's like I tell my dates. Keep your expectations low. <laughs> Don't yeah. uh, yourself I, short like that, Lou. Uh, uh, <laughs> believe me, I, um, uh, I I I was t- taking some ad libs down, so uh, okay. I wanted to correct John. Uh, the magics of the 
Magics of Megas 2. Yep. Uh, it's Lucien. Oh. Did say ça? C'est Lucien. Uh, c'est ça. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was just for Ashley. She gets it. Merci beaucoup. I do. français. You should hear these Americans. They say foyer and I die inside. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. A, little, a little piece of us just, just, uh, just, just uh -huh. falls off. <laughs> Which is which is not far from what happened a while ago. Hey, by but, the way, uh, I, yes. I was pronouncing Lucian the way that Canadian actor William Shatner, in the role of Captain Kirk, said Lucian in The Magics of Magus 2. And we know that he knows how to say words because he says sabotage. <laughs> he sabotage. He says so many words like sabotage. He does. He, so he, I, an, I, an icon, a true yeah, icon. <laughs> I had to take my cue from him. Yeah. Um, I was... Um, Okay, so I, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna, I don't remember Red Shirt Diaries, I'm afraid. I That's don't, okay. Oh, I, I saw the Red Shoe Diaries, but not the Red Shirt Diaries. It's still on the internet. And, and uh, oh, uh, John, these are two Canadian productions, so you may have to translate it for the, uh, for the rest. Familiar of with them all. Like talk amongst yourselves yeah. kind of thing. Truly. So, well, <laughs> since nothing dies on the internet, it, it, it is still, it, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Red Shirt Diaries is there for everybody to see. Is yeah. it still on its own domain or uh, better? You know, I don't, YouTube, I, I think we probably let that domain die. But if you Google okay. Red Shirt Diaries, we're the first mm -hmm. thing that comes up. It's still hosted on YouTube.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. All 31 episodes are there. Uh, we went from, and we went in, um, production order instead of in airing order that's the so, way it should be it yeah. always should be production order <laughs> so it's uh some people get really mad at us for that some people get us uh, mad at us for using the original star dates and for saying lithium instead of dilithium crystals but allow me to assure you those mm -hmm. were the correct terms for the episodes uh and my favorite easter egg actually about the red shirt diaries is when we were coming up with the idea i wrote a test script for the cage which we never wound up shooting and airing, but it does exist in my Google Drive somewhere. Oh, wow. All right. So, I, maybe I someday. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm still upset at DS9 for not referencing us, because it took from Trouble with Tribbles to, uh, not DS9, TNG, because it took from the Trouble with Tribbles to DS9 to mention Canada, and that's far too long. Absolutely. Now, uh, I, I, I mean, Ashley, I swear, I wish you would have been in... Uh, in conventions in in uh, in Canada when I was when I was doing them, you, you would have loved Trek trivia starring Lou Israel. Oh, I mean, oh, man, <laughs> I uh, didn't I didn't go to a convention until I moved to the United States. I That's mean, how sad my what life. What do they is. know? <laughs> they know how to sweat. Let me it, tell you, do they, they give are points for conventions. do they have do they get points for feeding the host? They had to put no. up signs. Please do not feed the host because I was getting oh. too. Fat. Let me tell you, though, I'm going to add that to my writer when I'm doing panels. Please feed the host. She's Please feed starving. the host. Yeah, they're, Please they're, bring they're, coffee. Starving <laughs> actors. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, oh, okay, he's going to tell me we're up against I'm the clock. I'm going to tell okay. you we're up against I'll, the clock, man. I'll speak twice yeah. as fast. I can okay. do this. Do okay. it. Do I'm it. hoping, I'm hoping that if, uh, if you do get, uh, uh, get permission to come across the border, that uh, my agent will secure me some sort of, uh, some sort of position. I told her, try to get me into Star Trek while it's shooting here, because it's shooting here, and hopefully we'll be able to work together, and it was nice meeting you, and good night, John. <laughs> good night, Lou. Take care. <laughs> Take care. See you soon. That was it. Wouldn't be Mission Log Live without the the end of the show rush from Lou, the Clown Prince. Of Star Trek. I I appreciate hearing from the True North, strong and free. <laughs>
That's <laughs> excellent. Hey, um, I, this has flown by. Um, any any last thing about? I, I feel like all my notes on this. I, I mean, I, I think we made the the major ones. But anything that you're just like, oh, if I don't tell the world my feeling about this one part of I would uh, actually, I would love your just a quick hot take. Who is your favorite character so far of the oh, Lower Decks cast? Attendee. Uh, I, I think she's uh, she's just everything that that show needs, and she is the entry point for the audience to be a part of that show. I just think it's so nice to see an Orion fully clothed as a human <laughs> yes. being. And look, I love the green girls. I love the green men. I'm totally here for sexy yeah. times in Trek. But yeah, yeah, she has stolen my my whole entire heart. I love her so yes. much and i love by the end of the show right we know that the gag is they're gonna save the day every time and not gonna be recognized mm-hmm. for it. i love she's like i held her heart it was so great <laughs> like yes <laughs> and really we need this enthusiasm in these crazy times <laughs> yes yes there's just uh yeah there, there's a kindness and enthusiasm about the show by the way uh one of my favorite throwaway lines and it just it goes by so fast that again i'm glad that i watched it a few times and watched it with uh with subtitles on um I recommend we detonate the entire warp core, Captain. What? No. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, just, like, yes. Yes. I've been waiting for 50 years of Star Trek for somebody to say that. I want to tack this on too. Boimler was right. The warp core is the coolest part of Starship. He yes. Was absolutely right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, oh, and by the way, so the other night I couldn't sleep and on my HomePod, I put on the 10 hour loop of uh, warp core sounds. I love it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's me. Big old nerd. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that we get to do this every week and talk about Lower Decks. And thank you to everybody who joined us. Oh my gosh. Uh, people uh, uh, chiming in here with their favorites. Boimler, Amy giving you a yes, girl. Yes, uh, queen. <laughs> uh, so, so much love for attendee. And uh, look, I can't wait to do this again next week. It'll be awesome. May even get into that nude Olympic training program, as Rick points out. So until then, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the inevitable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Hey, not just Mission Log Live, but Mission Log, Women of Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, Your Daily Star Trek News, and Shabam. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.